ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bewitched. Yeah, for sure. Bewitched. I don't know the name of that actor. Uh, her name was Elizabeth Montgomery, one of my first crushes. Of course it was. Good God, Tim. I'm surprised your first crush wasn't an animated character, actually. <laughs> A housewife with magical powers. Hello. I know. Um, all right. Yeah. By the way, I just I'm sad to report that my first crush was the genie show. So that oh, just goes really? to show where we're oh, at. Oh wow. Like a woman imprisoned in a bottle was my first crush. <laughs> 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Check Ben's audio. Sounding great. I was a little quiet last week. You were indeed. Uh, there was a there was a report on somebody's blog talking about us and um, lovely things to say. I really appreciate it. But the one thing he's like, he's like, these guys are so fun and engaging. You can overlook the um, the audio hiccups. Like I, I think basically he was saying like it sounds like they're recording it in someone's basement. I think yeah, no, we, sound, we sound bad. Like I was listening to another podcast and, and I actually had the same response. I was like, you know, ours is as good as that, except that we sound like three guys like <laughs> using tin cans, you know, we're waiting. The for- boys in marketing are killing it, but the boys in production, they need a little work. <laughs> yeah. Totally true. yeah. There's uh, we need a, a little corporate sponsor to come in and say, you know what? Let's buy you guys some equipment. We do. That would be nice to get some sponsors. Nice. Who, what's the old, what do you think is the uh, the the right product to sponsor this podcast? Oh, R.J. Reynolds, just nothing but cigarettes. Like whatever the most <laughs> evil company we can get is who we need. <laughs> that would really something, throw a whole awkward some, wrench in the some uh, uh, some vaping company, right? That'll be totally like we just vape <laughs> the whole thing. Jewel, because it's so healthy, it's amazing for you. You should try it. And we have to do ads for it at the 15 minute mark. Oh, that's... Is your life happening the way you want it to? Have you tried vaping? Are you depressed enough? Maybe Suck take it to the next level. Teeth right out of your head with this product. All right. Well, welcome to 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys on the drive-in podcast network. Go to musiccitydrivein.com for all your podcasting needs. Happy new year's to, uh, 
to Ricky and the guys uh, at headquarters. Yep. So thankful. Ricky and I you... shared a little tweet back and forth the other night. Oh, well. good. A happy new year tweet. Yeah. Good. Well, um, we were supposed to have a guest this week, Jeff Rodkey, the screenwriter. He wrote Daddy Daycare and what was it? Uh, RV. Um, he's got a novel out called Lights Out in Lincolnwood. And he had to beg off tonight. But really, uh, I said, well, what about like 96 or 97? And he goes, let me look at the albums. He comes back five minutes later. He's like, oh, 96. Because I want to talk about, let me make sure I get the pronunciation right. Anima by Tool. Nice. Nice. So he's our guy. He's our guy. Well, no, I think he's a Tool fanatic. Come on the podcast. I think he's the edge we've been missing. I'm a little nervous. Like he wants to talk Sabbath and then he's going to pick an album by Tool. That's great. That's a nice new flavor to the podcast. Jeff and I, you, you've seen them at Bonnaroo, right? Or am I the yeah. only one who's done that? I've you seen them there the two times. Said, the first thing he said on stage what? when we saw him, it was totally dark. There's 80,000 people and they haven't, they haven't like queued up the light show and the craziness. And you just hear him say, I smell patchouli. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, well, I, I cannot wait. I had suggested, uh, this album for his pick for 1995. I don't, I don't, I hope he thought I was joking. Uh, but the Grammy winner, Jeff Simons, 1995. What you got? I don't remember which one was the Grammy winner. Um, uh, close your eyes, Ben. I'm gonna close my whole face. Got it. Yep, got it. Thank you. That was some great method acting. Thank for you. The Charades. <laughs> Oh, that was really funny. All right, yeah, here we go. It's the Grammy winner. Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me is she perverted. Extra, Jeff. I like it. I was going to leave a mark right there. That was the Grammy winner? The album of the year, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Totally based on the song Ironic. Literally, the guys who voted on that were like, they they never listened to the album. Yeah, no, totally. That's totally right. It was or or um the you learn song, which is a lot lighter too. That you oh, that's so light. That one. (laughs) But that's the song. That song. Sing sing a little more. (laughs) 
That song kicks so much ass. I loved it the first time I heard it. I still really like it. And she did a killer. I can't, that was 90, that was 94? Five. I know, but 95 is when it wins, but it came out in no, 94, no. right? No, 96 is when it wins. Oh, wow. It came out in 95 as well. Yeah. It comes out in 95, wins in 96. So we call it the uh, Grammy winner for 95. I, I, I think I, I thought I remember, like, first of all, that's how much I love this song. I thought I remember listening to that in college. Like, that song has huh? been okay. with me my whole life, as far as I can remember. I think that song is fantastic. This is maybe a medium take for the people here. That's the best Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Oh, yeah. Period. No, no, no. Like, I, the I playing on that is just en fuego, and they avoid all the annoying stuff. Like, wait, if those I'm, guys were studio musicians, we'd be dancing. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But did the Red Hot Chili Peppers cover this, or are you just saying it sounds no, no, like that's the band? Yeah. So the, the, the and Jeff will know the story better than I do, but no, like no, no. Go they've got it. the record in the can uh -huh. and this, they've got this song, but recorded by studio guys. I don't know if it's come out like the original version of it. Anyhow, the, the label listens to it and they're like, holy crap, like this record's fantastic. But this song, this is the first single and we're going to replace the whole band to bring in the Chili Peppers who were red hot at this time. Wow. And so the video is the Red Hot Chili Peppers playing with her singing in front of it. And it was huh. just off the hook. Yeah. I yeah. had no idea. Oh, that's great. And also, like, dude, her anger, like, just really yeah. fires me up. This is just an all-timer in my mind. This was on Super Fun Kids Mix. This is one of the rock whoa, songs. Whoa, that the whoa, whoa. Did oh, go down listen. on you in a theater? Are you dude, thinking after of her? I, first of all, Me, I what? get busy in a Burger King bathroom <laughs> on the Super Fun Kids Mix. Like, there's, there's no barriers. At all. The Barton sure. kids grow up early. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. No, man. I told you we saw Pulp Fiction when the girls were 12 and 10. So we're doing it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know, I, um, the great tie-in to this conversation is um, we accidentally subscribed to HBO Max. Okay. On New Year's Eve. Not accidentally, but we thought we were buying the thing that would allow us to show uh, um, King Richard to be for our New Year's Eve movie. And of course, okay. it had left HBO Max four days before, after we hit pay for HBO Max. So last night, trying to get my money's worth, I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary. Uh -huh. Has Alanis Morissette playing and has the Chili Peppers playing. And Ben is so on it. Like the Chili Peppers, like uh, uh, kind of anger and groove and just muscular musicianship plays so well off of her lyrics and performance. And it plays so poorly next to Limp Biscuit and Corn and all of that new metal stuff that they got wow. lumped in with and by 99. Alanis Morissette's on stage playing. You know, there were only three female acts at Woodstock 99. Wow. One Cran per Cranberries. Day. One per day. That's Woodstock 94. It was oh. Cheryl Crow, uh, Alanis Morissette, and Jewel. And the crowd <laughs> screams, show us your boobs uh, at all three of those acts through their entire set. That's the one where they set the whole place on fire and it becomes just a, a white boy riot. It's actually, it's amazing to watch that documentary after Charlottesville and be like, yeah. oh, well, how about that? <laughs> you know, but um, but watching the Chili Pepper set where Flea's totally naked and they're they're singing fire while the they set the place on fire and they incite this riot and like all of the cool um, teamwork that's in this track four years later is completely gone. 
really disappointing. Probably. In 99, who's the guitarist in the Chili Peppers? Is it the original guy or is it somebody different? I have no idea. I can't remember who is when. It might be Navarro in 99, right? Because that's yeah. the one hot, one hot minute record. It's pre-Californication. So. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I mean, there's a half dozen Chili Peppers songs I like, but this one is just off the hook. Yeah, it's great. That's a great take. But where where she come from, Jeff? Uh, I mean, she blasts under the scene. Child star, right? Yeah, Canadian, like kind of a breezy pop star. And then this is a complete reinvention. It's not unlike Stevie Wonder, like graduating from like Motown child act to like I want control of my own thing. And it just it both created and destroyed her career because it's so big. You can't. She never could. There's no way she was gonna back this up. Or or that's actually ironic. Uh-huh. Unlike the example she gives of irony in the song. I mean, that's yeah. part of it too. It's like, that was tough. It was tough. That ironic song was unfortunate. No question. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of, of white boy rage, uh, Oklahoma City bombing is in 1995. How about that? We're all white males here on the podcast. <laughs> what, what's going on with our ilk? What, what could we do? You know, I think of... Um, I think of guys, I think of uh, Thoreau's quote, the, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. But like nowadays, they have guns. Yeah, no quiet. The yeah. mass of men leave lives of yeah, loud. Yeah, we moved to loud desperation, desperation for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're running into the Applebee's in New York City, like demanding to be seated without masks. And I was like, get, do they need a hobby? Maybe a podcast. Yeah. They also need to eat food better than Applebee's. Like if you're going <laughs> to demand service, like, but you know what? There's, the, you know, and there's, this transcends class. I don't mean to take, take a swipe. Like there was a huge storm out here this week in the Sierra okay. Nevada. It's a closed I-80, yeah, right. 70 miles. And for those of you that don't live out here, like closing I-80 is like closing yeah. you know, I-95 for the New York yeah. State through. I mean, it's the only road to get out of California. It was closed for 70 miles from the beginning of the Sierra Nevadas through Nevada itself. And people blew through it because they had dinner reservations at the Four Seasons and Soda Springs, or they'd rented what? a cabin. And, and the, the emergency crews have been pulling people out of the snow for the last 96 hours. Like, incredulous, entitled, like, I know the road says it's closed, but uh, you know, I I'm want to go anyway. And I want them now. And so like, it's, it, it, it seems to be that the, the rage seems to be transcending class and, and, uh, and age and all kinds of stuff. So I don't have an answer to that, Tim. I okay. do not feel that as I sit here today, I'm angry about plenty of things, but um, I don't feel that break stuff rage. So I'll ben, how's your, I guess I should feel happy about that. How's I do, your my, my, pick, my pick will connect to this for sure. Oh, no right. kidding. I have, I have thoughts on this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will get to that in a second. Um, on May 14th of 1995, the Dalai Lama announces a six-year-old Tibetan boy as the 11th Panchen Lama. That's the one who picks the next Dalai Lama. So it's a big, big role. Um, the boy was six years old when he's named the 11th Panchen Lama. But three days later, the Chinese government kidnaps him and has held him and his family in captivity ever since. We might lose listeners in China. I don't know if we're allowed there, but did you know about this? I did know about this. And I've got two takes on this. The first oh. thing I'll say is 
I love the movie Caddyshack, and you cannot say the <laughs> word son the of the llama without me here. Big hitter, the llama. Big hitter. <laughs> I was thinking of Eddie Murphy, Golden Child. That's the other Second, one. One of our favorite trips of all time, Indian King Canada and I spent two months traveling all over Asia. Uh-huh. And like one of the most spectacular things that we did is we flew from Chengdu, China to Lhasa in what they still consider China, but it's Tibet, basically. Okay. And then we went over land over the Himalayas wow. into Nepal, um, including where you could see the Everest base camp. Like it was just the most spectacular week. That being said, and so this is two, 1999, dude, Tibet was a complete prison camp. Like there were just armed guards and tanks everywhere. Tanks. And, and we left Lhasa. So we left like the main population center. And it was even worse out in the country. Like they were like, well, there's no Western tourists. It's just a complete just gun show everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think kidnapping that poor kid, uh, like I'm not, it's not like I'm pro that, but the entire country is being held hostage. Yeah. I remember so vividly, I got a postcard from you from Nepal and you said uh, proof that uh, the idea of separate civilizations is forever done. Like you, you do you remember what happened? You went to Nepal and you went into a coffee shop to warm up. And do you remember what was on? Can you just help me? Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> is running on a continual loop on a bootleg VHS. And you were like, well, that's that. <laughs> that's and great. I was thrilled because that movie is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I read this story today. I was so mad at the Chinese government. And then I circle back. I'm like, wait, what are they doing naming a six-year-old as the one who's going to name the next Dalai Lama? That's a lot of pressure for a six-year-old. I don't pretend to understand or know. We're not going to work the inner workings of Buddhism, Timmy. You have to move on from this. Yeah. Which is, I just find my inner peace and move on. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, by the way, Ben, I've been to uh, Chengdu, China? Yeah. Spiciest noodles I ever oh, had in my dude. life. Like just tears, not sweat coming down like over a bowl of this noodle. I'm like, oh my God. And it tasted great, but I was dying. And then I can't even, I can't even describe what happened later. I mean, yes, it you was... can because you described it to me in, in, <laughs> in like detail that I cannot understand. on the description A. I mean, good so times. I will. I will... I won't go into the later part of it, but I will say the first thing is that when you go to China and India, you're aware that it would be like if you went to a restaurant and it was called European food and it had like (laughs) German and Spanish and French and Italian. And they were like, that's European food. Like China and India have like Uh. 18 different, you know, different nationalities piled in all together. So when you go to China and you eat the different food, each different town has got its own food. The food in China and India was so far off the hook. Like, I can't describe how excellent it was. And then Chengdu, I got the Mountain of Fire, Timmy. Yeah, yeah. I got the Mountain of Fire, which is a brick of tofu with red sauce on it. And I saw somebody on the table having it, and I was like, well, how bad can that that be? And the waiter was like, in broken English, was like, this mountain fire. And I was like, (laughs) oh, well, sure, that'll be fine. Like, what could go wrong? Yeah, I really and I had the same experience. I mean, you know how bland <laughs> tofu is, but I mean, yeah. it was like burning hot coals, barely covered in tofu. No, I had I had no understanding of what spice was. I was thinking yeah. like, oh, jalapeno. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a whole nother world. All right. 
That's a long story. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, let's it's a great go. story, though, readers. T- bother Tim on Twitter and ask him to tell you the whole oh, God, night no. after he ate spicy noodle story. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, all right. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the number one selling album, and then I'm going to decide uh, which 1995 story to tell after that. Well, this is great because this is such a spicy record. You know, when I think of like spicy, funky, alternative, like pushing the envelope, it's this record. It's the number one album. Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius Rucker, Hootie and the Blowfish. Here's my big hot take, Ben Barton. Hootie and the Blowfish is Huey Lewis and the News for the 90s. Discuss. That's fine. I'm ready to take that. (laughs) Hey, um, I've got a quiz for you guys. Yeah, hit it. This song has been covered this this very year of 2021 by a large pop star. And it's been a huge streaming hit. Can you name the cover? Nope. Nope. Post Malone. No way. Post Malone. There is a perfect. Post Malone cover of Only Want to Be With You, and I'm not joking. Post Can we hear it, Jeff Simons? Can we hear it? And by the way, it's, it's not an ironic cover at all. Like, it's a note-for-note redo it with Post Malone mumbling. It's amazing. You're going to love it. I Jeff, can't wait. I have to be very careful about making fun of Hootie because um, – I I can do a really good Hootie impression. Like when I'm not careful, oh. I pick up an acoustic guitar and I'm kind of like playing chords and trying to come up with a melody. I wrote you a bunch of songs me. this break. And, and there was one where I was like, I am writing a Hootie song. You know, so I mean, I just like, there's a and lot you to say make, that like that's bad, man. I, come there's on, a lot man. to make fun of here, but I better be prepared to, to, take, a, to take some licks myself. But the, this is the beginning of the enormous album the way there were enormous films i think of 1994-5 as when the record industry realized all we need is two hit records and everything else can be a write-off for the profits off the two big records like like jaws in 75 changes the movie industry forever right all we need is one big hit per studio and everything else is a wash this is when you get like everybody in america buys two records a year as long as it's the same two records, then the music industry can just make money hand over fist and nothing else matters. You get this one, you get a both Jagged Little Pill and Crack yeah. of over 10 million. And then you get like that uh, Santana Supernatural record. You oh, get that the, this year. You get Buena Vista Social Club. They're not all this year, but they're all in the same 
couple of years. So I put it a thriller, though. I think you're too late. Yeah. Thriller was when that, that was what really opened their eyes. They were like, holy crap, we can sell that any well, records? I, you know what it is? Maybe this is when they realize that, like, you get Thriller, and then everybody starts buying back catalog when they go from to CDs, and then this is the beginning of the CD mega record. I can't think of a record in this a, a moment in the CD era where we're going like one record per year. That uh, maybe it's, and maybe it's just because they're both rock records that it really jumps out to me. But like, right. well, maybe it also jumps out at you because Thriller had good songs on it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe this is the beginning of the big record where I'm like, what are we all doing? That's probably just totally accurate. This is the big record I don't like era. So. All right. Uh, Bearings Bank folds in 1995. It's English, England's oldest investment banking firm. A young trader named Nick Leeson in the Singapore office began investing in futures on the Japanese stock market. What happened? I remember this for sure. Like basically he was, he was like selling short. Yeah, the, the bills came due. He had it wrong, and he collapsed an entire bank. Well, the, I remember really vividly in '95. I was like, "Well, that's a crazy story." The, the Surely earth- that'll. Ne- <laughs> what was going on? Ha ha! That'll never happen. Yeah, again. the the earthquake uh, in Japan kind of washes out uh, a lot of those investments, and and when they came calling, no, he didn't have the money. Yeah, wow. one point six billion. Poof. Just like that. Good Lord. Got to risk money to make money, Timmy. Come on now. Work with us. Surely that'll work out. Like it's going to keep getting better from here. Jeff Simons, he's, uh, I think he's in his late 20s, early 30s. Uh, should he go to jail for bringing down England's oldest investment banking firm? Uh, duh. Yeah, I think he should. Go How long? Uh, I would say that's at least 30 years. He served four years in a Singapore jail cell. He got out with well, good behavior and colon cancer. Okay, well. Col- he- colon cancer looked bad. He heals. He goes on to become Galway United's GM and then CEO. He's a, in the Irish Soccer League. He becomes the CEO of Galway United. Uh, he had to resign in 2011 after Galway you know, United ran into bankrupt. financial trouble. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> what are the odds? That's amazingly. You know, charismatic, <laughs> talented people given a second chance usually bounce back. I mean, like, I, you know, like we have all these stories where like, well, how did that, how did that guy pull himself up off the mat? Like he was off the mat one time. You give him another chance. Like people, people given a chance to come back who are, who are, over the top, charismatic and ambitious usually do so. And he's and or be... swindlers, depending on how you yeah, look. Especially at if you are amoral and you're willing to, to work all the edges. Yeah, without without question. So he comes to Branson School in the fall. You he hire has my him job in three months. No question about it. I'm just on the outside looking in. Like, and then Branson is bankrupt in two years. Right, holding all of my possessions in a little satchel at the front gate, wondering what happened. Uh... <laughs> Hey, in Orkney, South Africa, the Val Reeves gold mine uh, in 1995, a runaway locomotive falls into an elevator shaft onto an ascending cage 
causing that elevator to plunge 1,500 feet to the bottom of a 6,900-foot deep shaft. 104 miners die. A runaway locomotive and a mine shaft? Jeff Simons, is that the worst way to go? Probably not, but that must have been bone-crushingly terrifying. Awful. Yeah. But no, oh, I it's fast though, Timmy. All the fast. slow ways of dying are way worse. That's what I think too. I think so too. In terms of like the last 10 seconds, those are bad. Those are a really bad last 10 seconds. But like I'd much rather go that way than a long protracted, super painful illness. Well, that's a lovely segue into our Who died? Who Yay. died? Uh, I name clues. You call out the person who died in 1995. Let's go. Number one, rapper, AIDS. Uh, Easy E. Easy E is correct. First of all, I suck at this game so bad. How does Jeff get that ahead of me? I don't know. I really am terrible at this. I'm going to boycott. I'm just going to stop answering and no one will notice because it'll appear like the way it's been the entire two seasons. This is going to hurt then, Ben. Baseball. Yankees. Center field. DiMaggio? <laughs> Just help Mickey me out. Rivers? Jimmy. I have no idea. Mickey Mantle dies. Okay. Mickey Mantle. All right. See? I was right on the edge. Of I didn't that. know Mickey Mantle played center field. So, Singer. Guitarist. Ice cream. Ice cream. Singer, guitarist, ice cream. San Francisco. Jerry Garcia. Jerry Garcia is the correct answer. Ben holding firm, not answering. No, uh, I knew that wanted singer, but I decided not to guess. How much your singer is the first clue on Jerry? Well, Garcia. I had to put him. I had to put him in some category. Okay. Um, TV star, which knows? Oh, Sabrina! Like, I don't know her name. Bewitched, yeah, for sure. Bewitched. I don't know the name of that actor. Uh, her name was Elizabeth Montgomery, one of my first crushes. Of course it was. Good God, Tim. I'm surprised your first crush wasn't an animated character, actually. <laughs> A housewife with magical powers. Hello. I know. Right? Um, all right. <laughs> By the way. I just, I'm sad to report that my first crush was the genie show. So that oh, just goes really? to show where we're oh, at. Oh, wow. Like a woman imprisoned in a bottle was my first crush. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Oh, Art the albums. Our three albums. Uh, it's 1995. Jeff Simons, I think you go first. All right, I'm going to go first. I got two. I got two records tonight. What? Because it's a tie because I have to talk about two bands at the same time. So wow. there are all of these moments in rock history, right? Like, do you like this or do you like that, right? Um, and, you know, the, the classic one being Beatles or Stones. But the most... Okay. The one that dominates the 90s, especially in England, especially in Europe, is the Brit-pop rivalry between Blur and Oasis. Oh, oh awesome. Okay. So um, Blur and Oasis are very, 
very are very similar bands in the sense that they're they're updates on uh, the theme of '60s rock and roll, and they come of age in a moment where British music is uh, kind of pulling guitars back into the mix after they had been uh, really synth synthesizer heavy in the late '80s. Things are really fun. The British economy is has recovered and is kind of moving again, but they're very different in some other ways. Blur is a bunch of college kids. Um, there's always there's there's kind of an arty um, over over the top kind of quality to them. Their first record is called Modern Life is Rubbish. The second record is kind of a concept record called Park Life, where they try to update the kind of kinks version of writing about the British middle class. Um, Oasis is uh, not that. Oasis is a bunch of council estate kids growing up pretty working, low, you know, lower working class. Um, two brothers, Noel and Liam Gallagher. Um, Noel gets a job as a guitar roadie, he goes on the road with a band called the Inspiral Carpets, sees the world through them, comes back and his brother Liam has put a kind of a crappy little band together, but Noel's been writing songs. Oasis and Blur. So Blur starts first, but Oasis, their first record definitely maybe in 1994 is an instant, uh, not worldwide smash. Neither of these bands breaks in America the way they break elsewhere. They're not unlike the jam in the 80s, Britpop is called Britpop because it doesn't become world pop. You know, it just doesn't, it, you know, it, most of continental Europe goes crazy for these guys, but uh, they just don't, we're too busy listening to Hootie and the Blowfish to hear these guys. But Blur and Oasis become two sides of the same coin. They become a Beatles versus Stones argument, right? Do you like the arty college kids? Do you like the working class guys with the Mancunian accent? Do you like the kind of carefully crafted pop songs? Do you like the big loud sing-alongs? Do you like all the harmonies and you know, clever arrangements, or do you just like two guitars, bass, drums, and a cloud of dust? And so the two bands being clever enough to use the music press to foster their career, create a rivalry amongst themselves. I think mostly for Blur, the whole thing was kind of an art project. Like let's make an enemy out of Oasis and we'll take shots at each other in the paper. I get the sense that, that Liam, Gallagher's. Was, <laughs> yeah. well, Liam in particular didn't yeah. like anybody who wasn't himself for a couple of years. And, 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 but they took big dumb shots at each other and the NME and the Melody Maker and all the weekly British music press just ate it up. The apex of this is a charity football match. Oh, Blur and their road crew versus Oasis and their road crew. There was oh, actually a Brit Pop World Cup where a whole bunch of bands like Gene and the Charlatans and the Blue Tones and some of these other kind of one hit wonders actually played a, like a tournament that led to a Blur versus Oasis final. Blur beats Oasis two to one on a late minute goal by Damon Albarn. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it draws like 11,000 people. Oh my God, are you serious? I mean, it, it's a huge thing, right? And so I... My parents lived in England in 94 and 95. My dad was teaching over there. And so I visited them three or four times. So I was in England for all of this hysteria. Um, so I love these records because they remind me of being like a 25 year old kid with a free place to stay in England and a Eurail pass. So, you know, I was, it was exciting. And, and it was exciting to be in country when like the country was just having kind of a summer of fun 
And the fun was like, which of these two pretty great bands is the better band? So I, I when I hear these records, it brings up a particular moment in history from that. But I do like both these bands a lot. Um, so they, they intentionally released new singles on the same day and they hyped it for weeks. Who's gonna sell more songs this week? Who's gonna be number one and who's gonna be number two? So I'm just chosen those two songs from these two records. Oh, cool. Blur's 1995 record, which is called The Great Escape, is my second favorite. I think Park Life's a little bit better, um, but they're close. I really like this record. Um, at their best, Blur is kind of a slinky update of the kinks, right? The songs are about kind of small concerns. Um, the singing is, is strong. The songwriting's really sharp. Um, Blur's a got a little more um, muscle and rock behind most of their songs than like late 60s Kinks do, and that's a compliment. Um, at their worst, they're a little arty and, and there's too many ballads. There's too many long, like seven minute. Songs. Oh, really? Like, um, huh. But, you know, Blur, when, Blur's best song is song two, which is that yeah. two, like, woohoo! <laughs> I love that song. Oh, um, me too. And the girls love that. Yeah. That's so great. Uh, Oasis. <laughs> Oasis, I, I'm an apologist for Oasis. Like they be, they become ridiculous. Their third record, Be Her Now, should come with a line of cocaine like inside the sleeve jacket. It's tinny, it's loud, it's too slow, then it's too fast. All the songs are nine minutes long. But this second record, What's the Story, Morning Glory, they clean up some of the, the weakness of Definitely Maybe. Like they're just not a very good band when they record Definitely Maybe, even though many of those songs are good. But they're they're better. They're, they've played together for two years. It's much better recorded. And the songs are really great. Some of the songs are hilarious ripoffs, right? Like if Blur updates the kinks, Oasis is kind of like a snotty drunk Beatles. You know, if the Beatles <laughs> were assholes, they'd be Oasis. You know what I mean? Like they have that big melody and it's big sing-alongs, but the Beatles are smiling and Oasis is flipping you off. And that for me, that's the difference. So this isn't a Beatles Stones classic thing. These neither of these bands has the RB or the groove that the Stones had at their best. Um, but I'll start we'll start with Blur. You're gonna get a minute of the song Country House, which pretty much tells you everything you need to know about this band. And then we'll get a minute of Oasis's role with it, which I think is also a super indicative track from them. Are and you not it takes to do Wonderwall. Like, Isn't Wonderwall on that record? It is, but these are the two singles that they put up against uh, each other. Is that the uh, second song on uh, Oasis's album? I think so. Because the first song is called "Hello," yeah, which is very clever. Because yeah, it's saying, a very that oh. that song is a very Beatlesque song. I think. Oh, I, I, I know. I'm worried about what Ben's uh, Beatlesque uh -huh. take on. Anyway, uh -huh. here we go. Here's uh, "Blur and Oasis" in the summer of '95. What's the story, Morning Glory, by Oasis? and The Great Escape by Blur.
Marching up the new repeats in the Bermuda's in the country. He takes a matter of pills and piles up all of his bills in the country. Oh, it's like an animal farm, that's a rural charm in the country. He's got morning glory and life's a different story. I love uh, Don't Look Back in Anger. Oh, killer song. Which is just John Lennon's Imagine uh, completely ripped off. I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like, I cannot believe they're going to get away with this. But uh, wait, what? Yeah, it's great. Oh, come on. Remember how that song begins? Imagine. I kind of hear it. Kind of That's different. Nah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Beatlesque, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so um, Wonderwall is my favorite Oasis song. And I, I don't, I'm not split between these two bands. I'm a clear Blur guy. Like, I think Blur is way better. Oh, my actual favorite Blur album, and it's one that was in the running for 2003, is Think Tank. I think Think Tank is just a freaking masterwork, gate uh-huh. to gate. Um, crazy beat and we've got a file on you uh the moroccan people's revolution like there's just like i don't know five or six really really good songs on this on that record um i do dig this this pairing though i like what jeff's doing here yeah smart and i can't believe you didn't choose wonderwall though do you agree with me that's that's not even in the neighborhood that's easily the oasis's best song my favorite oasis song is live forever um, I don't, I can't explain why, but I have always loved that song from the second I heard it. It was the, and it was the first Oasis song I heard. And I was like, oh, this is going to be my new all-time favorite band. And then they, <laughs> Wonderwall is like 1A, but I like, a, I like a half a dozen songs on the first two records an awful lot. Like they have a standalone single called Whatever, which I just love. Like there's a bunch of great early Oasis songs. And then they fall completely off the chart for me. And I agree with you, Blur, I, I prefer blur to oasis overall i might like two or three oasis songs more than the blur song i like most but blur is a better band besides a better song number two besides no, song number two right i don't know besides <laughs> song, number two is the whole thing Dude, i mean you know that like this story's been told about like, i've told this a bunch of times like i, I just yeah. kept running through rock songs to play for the girls and yeah. I, as soon as i got to them woo-hoo, they were like okay like this will work we can do this again it's a win Hey Jeff, play uh play a little bit of Live Forever. I don't know that one. Okay. 
I don't know why. That's a killer. Bass comes in like just perfectly, like blue doo, blue doo. I just kills so me. Great. They're right. also a big maybe band. Like that's a major. They really are a big maybe band. That's really per. That's funny. <laughs> that's really funny. Maybe. Uh, ben Barton, on to you. All right. Um, I have a quiz for you guys. Oh. I'm gonna seed the fields, but then you see if you can add to this. So one of the things that happened in the late 80s into this mid 90s period is I had money and this is still when you had to buy a CD to get things. And so I bought a bunch of one hit wonder albums. <laughs> so uh, here's a, a one one that was hilarious. Some, some of them I bought. And then after I listened to one song and I was like, oh, I got completely ruined and I was out on the band. <laughs> and then some of them I bought and I thought they would turn out to be better. So, for example, Marcy Playground, oh, 1997, oh, yeah, with the single "Sex and Candy." I can't believe I love that, that single so much. I bought the record. The record was terrible, but I was like, "I'm not out on them. It's gonna turn around." Wait, Marcy Playground is gonna come back for sure. <laughs> um, I don't agree with you on that. That "Sex and Candy" song, I never liked. Oh, I, thought, I love that song. I thought it was like right. Crush Test Dummies meets Mazzy Star. I was not down on that. Uh, Dion Ferris. <laughs> With the single I Know. That oh. song is so great. Album, less so. Second album, even worse. <laughs> Nina Cherry, obviously, Buffalo oh. Dance. I, yeah. I, I would have bought that record again just yeah. to support Nina Cherry. <laughs> that song is so fucking great, Buffalo Dance. That's just such a fantastic song. And then there's two albums, connect, two singles connected in my mind, both of which I wrote off the artists and I was very wrong. This is a good lesson to people. All Just right. because the first album only has one good song does not mean that they're going to be bad. Can you name them? A 1992 album, a 1994 album. God, that's all I get. They put out. Well, one also, you know what my pick for 1995 is, so you can guess one of them. I don't know what your 1995. All right. Yeah. When Creep comes out in 1992, oh, like, okay. oh I okay. probably should go buy Pablo Honey. You know, yeah. and, you and Pablo Honey has one good song. Hold on. Or? Now, in the fullness of time. I've come around a little <laughs> okay, bit. On. Good, Blowout's good, good, good. fine. There's like two or three pretty Anyone good songs. Anyone can play guitar is such a good song. There's song two or three great. pretty good songs on that, but nothing that touched Creep. And also it wasn't in the same vein as Creep. No. Um, and then Beck's 1994 Loser. Oh, Loser, oh, which sure. is the only good song on Mellow Gold. That right. Really and the That's funny thing is it's the same song. They're yep. a song about being a loser and they put out an album with nothing else on it. Anyhow, so mad about Pablo Honey. I did not enjoy it at the time. Then in 1995, Ooh. they go ahead and put it out in the United States. They put out the bands in the United States and they do high and dry as the main single in the yep. U.S. That's a big mistake. And they put it in Clueless. So you think that they're like right. a, a band with, <laughs> with no the, And with a whole yep. video where they're wandering around in a grocery store. Yep. Dude, I was so livid. I was like, these guys, like the stupid creep guys. And now you're trying to sell me this crap. It took me six months to a year to get over it. And Jeff just wore me out. He was like, no, you really got it. I was like, no, no, don't start with me with that band. He was like, you really got, I was like, no, no, I <laughs> really, really got to hear about it. <laughs> so I cannot, I cannot, it came out in October 95. There's no way I listened to it in October 95. It yep. must've taken me six months to finally come around and buy the bands. Um, and I just, once I got it, I just couldn't have loved it more. Such mm. a fantastic record. The record company, this is another one of those just unbelievably stupid record company stories. <laughs> so they put out Creep, right? And it's a gargant. I mean, Creep was like a top 40 
hit, Monster like a hit. radio hit. It's really yeah. like it's like one of the last rock songs to really be a gigantic hit. Pablo Honey sold a million copies. Radiohead was super burnt out touring that record and they were completely over that song. And the record company was like, you need to come up with another hit. This is apocryphal. But Radiohead says that the record company told them that they had six months to write a hit or they were going to drop them. Dang. That was how they went into the studio. <laughs> so they go into this. And this is like one of those ones. And we've talked about this before with the second album. This, I, I, I can't think of another second album that's a bigger gap between the first album and the second album. I'll let Jeff think on it and see if you can come up with one. Bob Dylan's second record. The difference between Bob Dylan oh, and- Oh, disagree. Bob Dylan's first record, I L-U-V, love, love, love. But there's six songs about original, death. Only one original <laughs> on it. And Freewheeling is 13 originals and has Blown in the Wind, Masters of War, and Girl of the North Country. That's a big leap. No, I still just, because the first Bob Dylan record is a masterpiece. I love it. I'm, I'm just, I can't give up on that at all. Anyhow, we can keep <laughs> doing this. First album, the second album. The Benz is such a massive, gargantuan leap forward. Like the record is so great. It's so much more interesting than the last record. Um, I love Radiohead. I chose a Radiohead song on the song list. This is actually my favorite Radiohead record. And believe me, I thought really hard about it. Like, I love Kid A. I love In Rainbows. Um, I love OK Computer. But this is the one. This is the single record that I think is their best record. It's their most guitar-heavy record, which kind of makes sense. But I also think, like, in comparison to OK Computer, it's a much more accessible record. Like when you actually listen to those two records back to back, the themes yeah. are really, really similar. Alienation, depression, sadness, modern life are all there on both of those records. But York's lyrics here really just are, are crisper and clearer and just cut right to the bone of it. Um, Timmy selected uh, Fake Plastic Trees, which I might have selected as my favorite song. This is another one of so those great. albums where so there's six different songs on this album that at one time or another have been my favorite on it. Like, I just absolutely freaking love this record. If you do not like Radiohead, Fake Plastic Trees, Nice Dreams, and Fade Out, just try those. Like for Nina yeah. and India, just yep. try those. Those are the, some of the most beautiful ballads ever written. You're going to absolutely love them. If you're a guitar person, just try Just. Just start with Just. You're not going to go <laughs> wrong. You're not going to hear a better guitar song from like any era than Just. Like it's just an absolutely fantastic song. Timmy, you were asking about the bombing. Yeah. Um, I consider this record and I thought about it pretty hard and I'm not going to say it's like a voice of a generation. Like, you know how people say Bob Dylan's the voice of a generation. Well, yeah, sure. well, not if you were like a black woman, like I predicted he was not <laughs> the voice of your generation for sure. But for, for us, for the 50 year old white guy generation, this album is so prescient. I put it as the, one of the most, if not the most prescient work of art of our lifetimes, like this album explains the experience of the Gen X white guy so big time, like alienation, depression, sadness, feeling like disconnected from things. When he's like, I wish it was the sixties. I wish something would happen. I wish I was happy. I'm like, oh, oh. dude, why did you have to stab me in my own heart? <laughs> You're thinking on these matters, like just brutal. Um, you go through the, the first song, Planet Telex, the chorus is just, everything is broken. Everyone is broken. And I'm like, oh, Tom, like really Tom. you had to put words to that. You couldn't just like let that sit and simmer in your own like little sad depression. Um, and there's like 
six songs like that that just captured this emotion so perfectly too cynical to speak is a line on this album and then just the the emotions of just like the brutality of just like it's surrounded on all sides by this like ennui this sadness this depression this alienation and just is right at the heart it's the heart of the album it's right in the middle of the album and then like you know who's to blame for it you're to blame for it get it don't, yourself. don't blame Ugh. anyone else don't even bother to look around for whose fault it is uh, because it's yours. I'm going to choose the Benz though. I'm going to choose the Benz because I think the song, the Benz, it's the name of the album. And it's also yeah. been, like captures this so perfectly. Jeff, if you will start it 44 seconds into the Benz. The Benz by Radiohead. Where do we go from here? The words are coming out When I need you Alone on an airplane Falling asleep against the window pane My blood will First of all, oh. um, in my full fullness of middle age, like I've done a bunch of work travel um, and obviously not the pandemic, but I mean, there was a stretch where I was like traveling at least once a month to go to conferences or give speeches or whatever else. And dude, the alone on an aeroplane falling asleep against the window pane just runs in a loop <laughs> in my brain when I get on there. Like I find when I was a kid, we, I told the story when I went to LA in 94, it was like, the most fun thing that ever happened to me to have someone pay me to fly to LA. So cool. By the time I'm doing that in middle age, I'm like this, what could be more depressing than sitting on the tarmac in this freaking plane? Like it's just like just brutal. And then verse two, I need to wash myself again to hide all the dirt and pain. Cause I'm scared that there's nothing underneath, but who are my real friends? Have they all got the bends? Am I really sinking this low? That's a verse in this song. <laughs> so when I choose this one, I mean, Planet Telex, Iron Lung, this one, Fake Plastic Tree. Like there's really like, and just obviously, there's like seven fantastic songs. In them. But this one captures this like, like self-hate, misery, NUE, like the sadness of it. Um, I consider this to be just a, a unbelievably powerful work of art. And also, Ooh. I'm so sad that Radiohead and Counting Crows overtook Pearl Jam, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin. Like the emotional palette of the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin when I was in high school was perfect. It was like, sure, there's a couple of sad songs like Angie or The Rain Song, but they're like, don't worry. Like you'll get high, yeah, you'll right, get right. drunk, maybe get in a fight, like things are gonna work out for you. Then you get to Pearl Jam and they're like, they're a little more bent out of shape about things, but they've got like a real teen anger. 
You know what I mean? Like leash. Like I'm just mad at my parents. My parents suck. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Dude, when you move on to Radiohead and the County Crows, it's like, oh, dude, there's nobody to blame but yourself. And like the, just like the sadness of it, like I wish that this music did not speak to me in this fashion. Like I wish I was a better, less depressed person who didn't hear this song and be like, yes, this is expressing at least some part of my inner life. All right, so first of all, masterclass. Yeah. Um, so my movie that I think is incredibly prescient that, displays, that explains Gen X that I would put next to the Benz is The Ice Storm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like is the movie that understood me more than any movie I ever went and saw in the movie theater ever. I came out of The Ice Storm like I could barely walk and everybody was like, oh, pretty good. I'm like, that's the most insightful like skewering of the voice I try to kill every day when I wake up, I've ever seen in my life. And they were all like, oh, we're so sad for you. But I mean, like the ice, <laughs> the ice storm, that movie felt like every significant unspoken thought of my childhood expressed in a film. I just couldn't. So I feel that way about this record as well. Um, to your first point, Ben, it's fine to graduate to this level, right? Like. I would, you, you left the Who out, but the Who is my childhood angry band. And then I graduated to The Clash and American Hardcore and then to Pearl Jam. And, and the move for me to Counting Crows, Radiohead, and especially Wilco is the acknowledgement that that anger will never leave you. So you better figure out how to do something about it. Yeah. Right? And that for me, it's why I love the song On and On and On by Wilco so much because it's, that character has figured out like, it'll be fine. You know what'll be okay is waking up tomorrow. And like, I'll bring all my shit with me and, but I will make, I will make chicken salad out of it. And that's what my adult life is, is making, making chicken salad out of the chicken shit rage of my childhood. So I find listening to the Benz like purifying. It's like a, it's like a colonic, you know? I love this record so much. There's a five year period where Radiohead's the best rock band in the world. and it's anybody who challenges that is just being silly i mean they're just so wait, head i can't remember private. do you prefer okay computer or this one that's a really good question i was as you were talking about it you really i think you described the difference if i could use counting crows again like the bends is august and everything after and okay computer is recovering the satellites for me like oh i just disagree with that well this, this is the song where like somebody who's not deep, deep, deep into music can instantly latch on. Like, OK Computer is so much more challenging. I probably give the nod to OK Computer because I'd never heard anything like Paranoid Android. I think parent listening to Paranoid Android for the first time was the most like jaw dropped I'd been by music uh, of that entire decade. Like when they went to the third, when I heard part three of that song roll up, I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. Like. And I kind of meant it. I was like, I just was, I started laughing. I was like, I can't believe how brilliant this is. So I probably give the nod, it's so close. I mean, depending on the day, maybe there's not a bad song on this record. And I, and, and in terms of talking about cover songs, if you haven't heard Gillian Welch. Oh yeah. We talked about this in season one. Totally agree. Of Black Star season one listeners go listen to that. <laughs> how about this for some second albums that are so much better than the first albums. Wilco's being there compared to AM. That's fair. Although, I mean, yeah. honestly, that, that, that's not fair, though, because the, no, at least I wouldn't say no one's going to think being there is Wilco's best record. OK, how about Van Morrison going from blowing your mind to Astral Weeks in four months? That's a pretty good jump. That's a good one. 
Yeah, let's go. Uh, I would say Zeppelin 1 to Zeppelin 2 is a Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Zeppelin 2 is great, but Zeppelin 1 is fantastic. That's true. And then I would say this year's model is Elvis Costello's best record, but it's not like Miami's True Sucks. So I like that one, though. Those are good ones. Okay. That's as good as I can do on that. Great choice. Great walkthrough. I'm all fired up to listen to it and get angry. That would be great. Well, it's funny how uh, we're all happily married. We all love fatherhood. And yet we all have this this rage inside of us, this massive manly lives of quiet desperation. Luckily, when I was Again, young... We're not that quiet. There's a fucking podcast with like 14 <laughs> hours of us talking. <laughs> productive desperation maybe oh, and I, I forgot to say um radiohead <laughs> is the one of the few rock acts that really carries like there's a bunch of kids dolly and george's age and your kids age who actually really like radiohead oh, cool. including oh. one of george's best friends from high school not only does she like radiohead radiohead is her favorite band by a mile to the point where she's come over for sleepovers and wandered downstairs and been like, I heard you saw him at, at Bonnaroo. What was that like? Oh, it's <laughs> the second set at Bonnaroo. Like, that's that so good. That's so that good. is awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, Jeff, you took my uh, first choice with Oasis. Uh, ben, you took my second choice with uh, the band. So we're going to go to the third choice. Oh, this could be really good. I'm excited. It's going to be. Let's uh, start with the Jayhawks Blue. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great choice. This is a really good record. I was hoping you'd pull out another Gordon Lightfoot. It's been <laughs> so long since you pulled a Gordon Lightfoot, Timmy. Oh, except the, the cranberries do not age well. The cranberries make, continue to chat me. I'll make a note. <laughs> I forgot about it. See, I also, I already forgot about the cranberries. This song's great. Here we go. Tomorrow the Green Grass by the Jayhawks. A little more depression for us. Where have all my friends gone? They've all disappeared. Turn around, maybe one day you're all there. Tomorrow, the green grass. It'll be there for us, the Jayhawks. Um, this album made me buy a guitar. No way. Yeah, I bought it. A, uh, I, was at a, I was in grad school at Harvard in my little dorm room there, and I went out and bought a guitar, and I had it, and I would play this album, and I would try to play the guitar. And then um, one day my mother called me, and um, I told her I'd broken up with my girlfriend and she started guilt tripping me about this. And she was doing that passive aggressive thing. 
And I said, Ma, not now. And she kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, I hung up the phone, grabbed the guitar. No, you did not. And pulled a Pete Townsend in my dorm room at Harvard. Timmy, Betty, kidding? likey. This <laughs> makes me really happy. I've seen a whole other side of you. That's he great. Oh, I was... Immediately to, to St. Catherine's and did 47 Hail Marys. <laughs> that, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Ran to the chapel right afterwards. Wash myself. <laughs> Father Ray sitting so badly, still holding the neck with the strings, <laughs> the strings everywhere. Boing, ping. Because uh, you know Catholic masses, they love the guitar. All right, gentlemen. Say, uh, I'm Jimmy. surprised that um, Ben's got uh, big Jayhawks up because they're very Beatlesque for Americana. I mean, those are some. Oh. Really? We got a lot of like unexpected major chords, and I mean they're 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 borderline uh, tricky, you know. So yeah, so I like that song. I remember I bought this record. And I wasn't crazy about the record. You know who I freaking love though is Golden Smog. Yeah, Golden yes. Smog. I was yes. super into. They were great live too. I saw Golden Smog a couple. I actually saw the Jayhawks open for Tom Petty on Tom Petty's on the tour right before Wildflowers. And, you know, they're playing like Shoreline and, you know, you know how the opening act is at a big show. Like they're yeah. all filled in a circle in front of petty stuff. They got like 35 minutes while people are still streaming in. But I actually bought the record based on their set. They were oh, they, good. They were really good. And I mean, like remarkably good considering the circumstances. So they were good. Nice. Band. Good band. All right, guys. Yeah, I was actually wondering, just sorry, before you go, Tim. Tim, you yeah. chose this album. What's the second best song on this record? Oh, they uh, good I like the second song. What's it called? Track two. That's no, great. it's not. Called I'd run two. away. Yeah, I like that. I'd run away hey. with baby. Oh, that's a pretty song. I like Miss Williams' guitar, which is track three. Yeah, totally. That's after Victoria Williams for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, is it really? Huh. Um. All right. Uh, what are you guys doing? Uh, this Tuesday night or this Thursday night? Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, hanging out with you, my friend. Is that we the got, plan? Yeah, we got to turn it around. I got to turn this thing around like two days. So I, don't, I want a little more time for the next podcast. I can do Tuesday or Thursday. I can be amenable to, to production's uh, needs. Yeah, that's fine. Either one uh, of those work for me. All right. Well, I am, I'm going to leave this in so that people uh, can see a little behind hey, the curtain. Little, keep behind the, you know, I just watched some of that Harry Potter 20th anniversary where all the kids are talking about what a special time it was. Like, this okay. is the it's like B-roll. Like, you know, like we really get to see the sausage get made here at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good to see you in 2022. Yeah, well done, to you my brothers. All right. Another triumph. Thanks. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 
today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.